0: This week, we mark two years since the coronavirus pandemic began. It was scary in those early days. It's scary just listening back. Mayor de Blasio declares a state of emergency in New York City. New York bans public gatherings of more than 500 people shutting the lights off on Broadway. The Dow plunges another 2,300 points. This week on 880 In-Depth, our conversation with New York State's health commissioner about where we are in the pandemic and where we're headed.
2: Right now, we're in a really good place. Uh, We're watching the numbers, and we will be vigilant. Uh, That's what we're all going to have to live with. Uh, I think that COVID has taught us a lot about living with uncertainty and about uh, being prepared to use what we know already should the time come that we need to take up these measures again.
0: Welcome to 880 In-Depth. I'm Michael Wallace. I remember those early days of the pandemic two years ago, reading stories on the air that I could hardly believe. Governor Cuomo bans large gatherings of 500 or more. New Jersey and Connecticut ban gatherings of more than 250. Broadway Goes Dark. Performance. I also know this podcast tackled the pandemic early on in a big way. Here we are two years ago, leading In-Depth with a conversation with former CDC head Dr. Tom Frieden. No one can predict the future with certainty. What we do know is that there is a risk that this could get very bad. And therefore, we need to do everything possible now to reduce that risk. That conversation really stood out to us that day. The dominoes were just beginning to fall. What a difference two years makes. This week, our Peter Haskell sat down with New York State Health Commissioner Dr. Mary Bassett to hear her thoughts on where we are. It began this way.
1: What's the state of play right now?
2: Well, things are really going in uh, the right direction. All of the numbers go down. Uh, We track a lot of different numbers, as you're aware. We look at the percent of people who are found to be infected, the number of people hospitalized. I pay a lot of attention to that. The percent of people who uh, test positive. We've had nearly two weeks of people, uh, the percent positivity being under 2%. The figure is 1.35% of all people who tested uh, tested positive uh, so everything is going in the right direction where we're in a pretty good place.
1: What precautions do you think we still need to take and at this point what's overkill?
2: Ah, well, as you know, we we still have um, have people wearing masks on public transport. Um, uh, the um, mask wearing is still in place on uh, on in the train systems. Our health workers, who of course are continuing to look after people who are hospitalized, uh, we have uh, about fourteen hundred people who are still hospitalized with COVID across the state, and and the health workers are are masked. Um, Uh, So, um, you know, we no longer have masking required in public indoor spaces. Um, New York City has also uh, relaxed its requirements in that regard. Uh, I I still want people to make their own decisions about wearing a mask, uh, and and that would vary with your own circumstance. Uh, I can't imagine that we would ever want to walk away from uh, masking health workers until we really have very, very low numbers. Um, but, um, but I do want people to feel comfortable wearing a mask uh, if they're in settings where they don't know what their infection risk might be. Uh,
1: Should we expect to jump in case counts now that these
2: restrictions have been lifted? It's really important that we look at these data every day, and I'm certainly looking at the number of people who test positive who, as I know, I know have, have continued to to trend down. Uh, looking at other parts of the world, uh, like the United Kingdom, uh, they are reporting in certain populations, mainly older people, that uh, numbers of people testing positive is going up. Uh, so we certainly will keep an eye on that, uh, that's, um, that's going to be important. Do we expect any new surges to come at this point as the weather improves and, um, and in the absence of any new variants? No, I don't think we expect to see anything spike in the way we saw Omicron spike, a new variant that hadn't been seen before.
1: If, if I'm not mistaken, children 5 to 11 have a vaccination rate of about 35%. How do, we, right. how do we assess their risk and how do we protect them?
2: Well, we've been vaccinating children to protect them against uh, uh, diseases that pose a, a, a small risk to them individually for a long time. And I really want to see us do better in vaccinating children against covid Uh, It's true, the risk in children is low. Uh, We want the risk in children to be as low as we can make it, and vaccines will help get us there. Uh, So that proportion, uh, uh, a little over a third of children vaccinated is fully vaccinated, is not high enough. Um, And I really encourage people to use um, use these vaccines to make sure that their children are as protected as we can make them.
1: Do you foresee a time where mask mandates could come back could come back and, and what might lead to that?
2: The question about whether mask mandates could come back is a really important one. And I think all people in leadership positions in public health feel an obligation to tell people that while things are going very well now, we've seen this before. We've seen uh, a new variants arrive. There was Delta, there was Omicron. Uh, and we've seen infection rates go up. Uh, so it may be possible uh, that we'll have that happen again. And in which case, we will need to revisit the tried and true uh, public health measures that we have. So they include uh, distancing, masking. Uh, but things are going in a good direction right now. And, uh, and uh, we are continuing to monitor the data as we have removed mask mandates. And um, things, t- things look good. Uh, you know we can't predict the future
0: how about going back and revisiting mistakes that were made how valuable is that exercise we wanted to know about masks and the
1: messaging that was used early on how and why do you think this became a political issue
2: Well, I mean, the whole of our response to COVID has been deeply politicized and was from its arrival on our shores when we had an administration in place that was uh, profoundly disparaging of science and public health and, uh, in fact, anti-science. So uh, we've seen this politicization. It's very unfortunate. Masks work. Uh, I don't believe that there's any question about that, but they're not the only strategy that works. We have vaccinations now. We have um, the idea of um, of watching, you know, our- ourselves in crowded places. Um, all of these are part of what's often referred to as a multi-layered response, and together they uh, have helped keep us safer, uh, particularly children in schools. and. Uh, so I don't think that, uh, that there's any public health uh, person who will deny the importance of masking. It's just that the rates are way down now, and uh, we felt comfortable taking the masks off in certain settings.
1: It seemed the guidance for masking was, uh, there was conflicting guidance, there was shifting guidance. Do you think that, or how do you think, if it did undermine the, the general message
2: well, this has been a hard time for public health communications. As you know, we have a very fragmented public health system in the United States, with a lot of the public health guidance coming at state level uh, uh, and even at smaller jurisdictions. So uh, that you know, and and we had this whole uh, pandemic reach our shores at a time when uh, when the federal agency. Uh, wasn't able to be as clear as they could have been. So, I, I think when we look back, uh, there'll be plenty of of uh, uh, opportunities to identify ways in which communication was not as clear as it should have been. Uh, but I, I don't want that to detract from the fact that we know we have preventive measures that work, and uh, let's not let let's not get confused about that. Vaccination works masks work uh, maintaining appropriate social distancing um, uh, especially in, in indoor spaces uh, uh, all of these work and they all uh, are applied with an understanding of the context how much transmission is occurring in our communities how much of a burden is there uh, being borne by our healthcare delivery system uh, and, and these are um, These are all laid out now uh, by the CDC, um, and they're all the measures that we look at in in New York State in considering what to recommend to the public. We're all working on restoring trust, and I hope that by being truthful, factual, um, sharing with people times when we don't have the level of certainty that that people wish we had, I hope that will all go some way towards restoring trust and public health um, messaging.
1: How important is that if public, if if trust in public health is undermined, what's the impact going forward either with this coronavirus or the next one to come around?
2: You know, trust is an important currency of public health. It's an important currency of government. And we've had, um, you know, uh, situations in which people have lost trust in government and they've lost trust in public health leadership. The only solution to that that I can see is by uh, doing our very best to uh, to be transparent, uh, to give the best evidence-based um, um, um Sort of appraisals that we can, um, and uh, and that way we, we'll we'll regain the trust. Uh, everybody working in public health and uh, across the country, I think, is seeking to regain that trust and to and to ensure that we're better positioned um, for a uh, future. Which seems likely that there will be uh, new new microbes even. Uh, even new COVID variants that may have uh, uh, transmission potential that we're not seeing now.
1: It's been two years since the city and the state shut down. What do you think we could have done better?
2: Ah, well, that that's uh, one question is, uh, did we shut down soon enough? Um and uh, As you know, there have been analyses suggesting that a, sh- a more rapid shutdown would have saved many lives. Uh, another, I guess, centers on the schools. Uh, we've all learned uh, how damaging remote learning was for children and the extent to which it may well have lasting impact and an increasing disparities within, uh, within our society. Uh, So, uh, you know, doing everything possible to keep children safe and in school uh, will certainly be a priority as we look to the future. I think we also have all been reflecting on the ways in which uh, we were vulnerable. If you think of COVID as a spark, you know, why did we have so much dry grass and a lot of this? involves conversation that are outside of the pure lane of public health and public health actions. It's talking about workplace safety, talking about, um, you know, the ability of low wage workers who had, who kept going to work to protect themselves. Um, It's talking about the deep and enduring racial and ethnic inequities that existed before COVID and have been, um, and have been, um, really brought to the fore uh, by the COVID pandemic. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we, have a, uh, we have a lot of lessons to learn from COVID. Um, and uh, I, I guess um, we're still close in terms of, of, um, of, of getting not out of it yet. So I can't tell you that we have the final word.
1: You know, that's where I want to finish up. But everybody wants to be done with COVID. We want to be finished with this. How close are we to the finish line? Or is there a finish line?
2: Uh, you know, uh, I, can't, I can't tell you uh, because I don't have a crystal ball. Right now, we're in a really good place. Uh, we're watching the numbers and we will be vigilant. Uh, That's what we're all going to have to live with. Uh, I think that COVID has taught us a lot about living with uncertainty and about uh, being prepared to use what we know already should the time come that we need to take up these measures again. But that's where we are. We're being vigilant. We're watching. Uh, We know now a lot more than we did before about how to protect ourselves with vaccines, with masks, And uh, please, everybody who's eligible to be vaccinated, we want people to get out there and get vaccinated.
1: Commissioner, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it.
2: It's my pleasure.
0: New York State Health Commissioner Mary Bassett with our Peter Haskell. 880 In-Depth is our weekly show digging into an important topic. The executive producers are Peter Haskell and Tim Scheldt. Listen to In-Depth on your time. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio. Just search for WCBS 880 In-Depth. I'm Michael Wallace. Thank you for listening. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours